0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, we have a special guest. He is a Swing Thought Tour player, a mini-tour player, someone who's played on the Corn Fairy Tour recently. His name is Alex Scott. He's uh, he's a guy from Michigan uh, who has... He's 24 years old. He's been working on his game. He, he went to college and got steadily grew his game through college and and turned pro and is now uh trying to find his way in the professional ranks um this one is awesome i I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. He he spits a lot of wisdom. He has a lot of perspective for someone who's 24 years old. I'm only 29, and this guy um, has a ton of perspective. Um, so you're listening to a couple a couple of guys in their 20s talk about life and golf improvement. But I think you can learn a lot from this, um, from anywhere, from a junior player to a college player to someone in their 50s that is just trying to trying to work on their game a couple hours a week. um, I think you could get some value out of this. Um, Yeah, so I hope you enjoy. And let me know over in the Facebook group, uh, the Mental Golf Show Facebook group. Head over there and let me know that you listened to it. Let me know maybe one thing that you learned from this episode with Alex. Um, Yeah, I hope you enjoy. Let's get right into it.
1: Alex Scott from Traverse City, Michigan, uh, born and raised up here, went to, went to Grand Valley State University, um, big division two school in West Michigan and Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, graduated in 2019. Um, I was kind of a a late bloomer, um, freshman and part of my sophomore year. I was, you know, I, I mean, I averaged like almost averaged 77 as a freshman, um, made a nice jump as a sophomore, but then my junior year, uh, really kind of all came together. Couldn't really tell you why, (laughs) to be honest with you, just I was kind of doing the same stuff physically and working on the same things. And it kind of just all came together. Um, was, uh, finished my career as a two time All-American, uh, played on the Palmer cup team in 2019 for the U S um, yeah, uh, that's kind of surmises the the uh, college career. And then I turned pro shortly after the Palmer Cup, so summer of 2019. Um, and it was a weird start. I had conditional status in the McKenzie Tour. At the time, I, I did the qualifying school as a senior um, in college. And uh, it was a weird start because I went to one Monday qualifier, just missed there, and then um, – and then I had an emergency appendectomy. Uh, I was supposed to leave to drive to Windsor because Windsor is only about four hours from here. And I was going to go do that Monday qualifier. And then uh, I wasn't feeling well. And so I had to have surgery. So I missed a little bit of time for that. Um, so the yeah. summer was kind of weird. And then uh, and I uh, went to Corn Ferry Q School, missed there. And then I was in Las Vegas. Uh, that winter and then that's when COVID hit in March so uh, moved back home uh, for the for the shutdown hung out for a while Uh, once the summer came back around basically July 1st that's when uh, Dakota's
0: tour picked up
1: and I did uh, um, I played the Dakota's tour for kind of most that summer July through August and then uh and then the fall was kind of just bouncing around, playing some events. I kind of drove to the southeast to play a few swing thoughts. Uh, played some Monday qualifiers here and there. Um, and then in January is when I moved to Florida, and uh, yeah, and then I played in some swing thoughts there. had a uh, had a win in Charleston. Uh, next week after that, qualified for the Corn Ferry event in Louisiana, um, and. Yeah, that's that's kind of about it. So it's hasn't really been all that linear. Um, COVID was kind of a, a brutal thing to throw in the middle of it. But then again, you know, I've, every I've been tough for really like kind of any developmental tour player. So I can't really be one to sit around and complain. So uh, there's a lot more people in way worse situations than I am. So um, but yeah, so that's kind of it. Uh, nothing. I wouldn't say nothing that jumps off the page necessarily as far as my
0: professional career, but, um, but yeah, that's about it. Okay. So I guess I want to kind of rewind it back to in college when you said, yeah, my game came together, but I don't really know what, (laughs) I mean, I got to ask a little bit about it because, um, a lot of the, a lot of the people that listen happen Mm -hmm. to be college players, junior players or parents of junior players and college players, And they wonder, and I was the same. I was, I probably averaged 70, ironically 77, I think my freshman year Mm -hmm. in college and my game came together my sophomore year and junior year, but maybe you can shed a little light onto what could have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, I would say there's multiple variables to it and i don't want to make it too long sure but, so i uh I, was, I played a lot of sports growing up i was a good athlete um played basketball through high school uh i was i was first team all state in, in basketball in the biggest division of michigan um so i it wasn't until college that i really devoted a lot of time to golf um uh, you know, my when I got into high school, I mean I played high school golf uh when I was a junior was when I started to play some AJGAs, uh some state events and everything. So um I I came to it kind of late as far as golf. Like I I started playing when I was young, but I was a baseball player, so I played more baseball then. And uh basketball is kind of a year-round thing. I played travel basketball and stuff. So I didn't really devote a lot of time to golf until I got into college, and then um, my college, my freshman year of college, was pretty weird. I uh, I was really really sick uh, from basically the day I stepped on campus until March. Um, I had I had mono, I uh, had pneumonia, I had like it was just tough. It, it was weird. I mean, I was having the time of my life, but I was I wasn't really feeling that well doing it. So that, that might play a little bit into how my freshman year went, but um, but then even the the start of my sophomore year when I was healthy, um, I think I averaged like 75 and a half for the fall, which we only played four events, but still, I mean, I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't tearing it up by any means. So um my sophomore spring, I played pretty well. I think I averaged around 72 ish, 72 and a half for the spring. Um which I ended up getting like, uh, all region and, um, uh, first, I think I finished first team all conference that year. Yeah. Uh, so I had a good year as a sophomore, but still, again, like it was nothing that was jumping off the page. Like nobody's going to look at me and be like, Oh, well, you know, he's one of the best players in the state or, you know, anything like that. You know, I just, I was having a solid year coming around to it, but then in between my sophomore and junior year, I, um, I won two events in the state. I, I won, uh, I won what's called the Kent County amateur. It's a, it's, I mean, it gets a lot of players. I wouldn't say it's the deepest field by any means, but there's a lot of people in it and it's a three round event. I know I shot all three rounds under par, which was nice. Um, that was something I never did at the time. And, um, and I and I beat some good players to win. I mean, there was some Michigan State players. There was some other kids on my college team. There's other good players in the surrounding area that were there. Um, and then I also won the game championship with or the Golf Association of Michigan Championship, the three-round stroke play event, um, where all the best amateurs in the in the state play. So, uh, and that was in August at some time, right? Kind of beginning of august right right before i went back to college so uh there's a lot of confidence building there because then i realized like okay like i beat you know i beat good players um won two events you know i didn't have a college win at the time so it was a huge step forward mentally for me but and then my junior year was really well i was really good i was conference player of the year i was first team all-american um I only finished outside the top ten once all year, uh, so it, the yeah. So there was there was some stuff that built up to it, but what I'm saying is, is there was nothing for me that changed as far as like it wasn't like okay, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start, uh, you know, I'm gonna start lifting a ton of weights, so I'm gonna change my whole routine for this to happen, or I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna put in three more hours a day of practicing. It was nothing like that. Um, I I've been pretty fortunate so far. I guess maybe it hasn't happened quite in my professional career, but um, really since high school, since my freshman year of high school, all the way through college, so eight years there, my golf game was very linear. I was always getting better every year. And there was never a time where, you know, December 31st would come around and I would look back and be like, man, I didn't get better this year. That never happened to me. I was always getting, I was always getting better. Um, physically, I was getting better. Mentally, uh, I was, you know, I, yeah, you know, it just everything was getting better as I was, I, and it wasn't because I was doing stuff different. I was just adding stuff. So when I was in high school, it'd be like, okay, maybe I was only practicing two hours a day, and then I was practicing three hours a day, four hours a day. And, you know physically like i was i would actually say i was in much better shape when i was in high school because of all the sports i played but um as far as like certain workouts and stuff like putting different things into my workout routine to to get stronger you know for golf reasons swing the club faster stuff like that so it it was just adding little things here and there and and honestly what i believe in like golf is as long as you are putting in the work you don't know when it's going to come as a kid, but it's going to come. It, it, it hits everybody different. It might hit you when you're 14. It might hit you when you're 24. You don't know when it's finally going to click, but when it does, you know, it just for a while, I mean, golf just seems so easy at the time. Like it doesn't, you know, everybody goes to those stretches where like, Oh, I can't shoot over par or anything like that. Um, you know, like I've had, there's been people in the state of Michigan who were great as teenagers, like, you know, seemed like they had it all. You know, they were, you know, top tops in the state, top in their class and stuff. And then they would go to college and they would kind of level off, you know, and then a lot of us either caught up to them or be even better than them now. It's just a weird game. You know, I, it's not like other sports where. like you know, like basketball, like if you got it you kind of got it, like you're not, unless you really fall back physically, like if you were big as a, as a young kid and then you start growing and everybody else caught up to you, you might still be skilled, but you're not going to dominate as much, you know, but that's still a different thing that, you know, growth in golf doesn't make quite that big a jump. So it's, uh, yeah, it's weird. You know, that's, that's why I mean, like, I don't really know why it came together when I was going into my junior year. I was putting in the the same kind of hours and
0: same work just finally came to fruition. Yeah. And that's just how golf can be. Um, I mean, I like what you said, it could be 14, it could be 24,
1: Yeah, but it will happen.
0: I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're putting in the right kind of work and you're not right, Mm -hmm. it'll happen. Um, as long as it's quality
1: work and you're putting in the time you're staying patient, you know, it's, it sounds all cliche, you know, like nobody, nobody ever wants to hear that. Like they want to hear the, they want to hear the secret, right? Like, Oh man, like what did you do? Like what, you know, what'd you find out? Like, Oh, I changed grips in my putting, you know, everybody wants to hear that stuff like where it's an automatic instantaneous gratification, but it just, it doesn't work like that. Like it might work for the short term, you know, I, Oh, I changed grips. And I had two good putting rounds in a row. And then all of a sudden you go back to putting the same way. Like, it everybody wants the secret and that's never the answer like anybody you ever talked to has ever reached a high level of anything it does it not not even golf like it has reached a high level of business or sports or music drama anything it's constant work long hours of practice I mean there's no there's no secret to it it is a matter of willpower and that's that.
0: Yeah, well said. Uh, so kind of recent, I you, you caught us all up on what your recent years have been, mm-hmm. but has there been anything, well, was it always inevitable that you were going to turn pro or did it take that kind of junior year, actual good year of golf to make you say, I want to do this?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I early in my college career like when i was a freshman i had aspirations to want to be a professional golfer you know you know everybody thinks about that as a golfer right like everybody wants to be holding that winning putt at augusta or whatever um but i'm also i would like to say that i'm also a realist in the sense that i i wanted to prove it to myself that i actually had a chance essentially like I, I did not you know I, I see and know so many guys that are you know they do not have the capability I would say to, to make it to the PGA tour right like or the European tour whatever high level of golf where you can make a living that's what I, there you go that's what I'm trying to say is because so for example I mean, when is, when did is, you go to college?
0: I went to Appalachian state.
1: Okay. Um, Who beat on Michigan. Appalachian, <laughs> on <one> Appalachian <laughs> state, you know, your basketball team, let's say. Did you ever watch any basketball games? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did your sixth man came off the bench? Did he, did he enter the NBA draft? I'm guessing not. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to take a wild guess and say no. Right. Now, there are multiple guys who are four, five, six man on small college teams who average over par and they turn pro. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that it's so not to say there aren't any good stories. Like, trust me, I mean, there it does happen. Like, there are guys out there who, who were maybe not world beaters in college who you know ended up making it Mm -hmm. it's it's not all that common and you know actually so a good example that comes to mind for me is brian stewart who's from michigan from michigan played at oakland university there in the horizon um his I don't remember if it was his last three years or his last two years, but I know for sure his last two years, he averaged like 71 and a half and 71. And so, you know, was never a top 100 player in the world and rankings or even really in golf stat for that matter. Um, But, and he's also not a guy who's going to blow you away physically. I mean, he's like one of the, he's like one of the five shortest hitters on the PGA tour right now. Mm. But, he drives it insanely straight, hits a ton of fairways and he puts it good. And he clearly, I would, I would love to get to know him more because there's a lot to learn from someone like that, but he, uh, you know, he was able to stick with it. But the thing is though, is he, he averaged 71. Mm-hmm. He, there are guys who are averaging 75 or worse and turning professional. So it's a. That is not what I wanted to be. Trying, trying to wrap it around to it is like, you know, let's say, let's say the average cut on most mini tours. You know, mini tours kind of cut to like a thirty or forty percent thing. It all depends on where you go and play, but let's say most cuts are. Uh, let's make it an easy number: two under, two under. You know, so that would. That would mean if you average 71 in college, you know, mm-hmm. that means if you, if that directly translated to pro golf, you took that exact game, and went to pro golf, you know, you're going to, you would probably make more cuts than you would miss for sure. But if you average 75 and a half, you are four and a half strokes above that per round. So that means on average, you're going to be missing cuts on many tours by eight to nine shots. That's a lot of shots. You don't make up eight to nine shots with like, oh, I changed my putting grip or, oh, I, you know, what I changed, you know, anything like that. It doesn't happen that fast. So, you know, not to say that you can't become a really good player at some point, but To go from 75-and-a-half, let's say, as a senior in college to the PGA Tour is unheard of. That doesn't happen. Like, even those guys who are small college players who might be late bloomers, like, when they finished college, like, they were good players. Like, they were solid players. doesn't matter if they were JUCO, D3, D2, whatever. They were really good players by the time they finished their college career. Like, nobody ever finished their college career – who was like, you know, not a good player, I would say, who ended up making it. So for me, I wanted to prove it to myself that I had a chance. And um, so I had thoughts of it when I went into college, but it really wasn't until, you know, the meat of that junior year where I was showing some really good consistency, shooting under par, you know, being in contention in tournaments, kind of basically the whole year um, that's when I was telling myself like, okay, like I've, you know, I got the stuff there. And even when I finished my college career, you know, I was shooting good scores. I was regarded as one of the best amateurs in the state. I said, man, like I still like, I feel like there's still so much more room for my game to improve, which that was another thing, because if you know, I, I was going back through so many of my rounds in college and I'm like, oh, there's a wasted stroke. There's a wasted stroke. Like I, you know, easy up and down there. didn't do that. And so I'm thinking to myself, all of these shots that I was giving away by whether it was skill or mental lapse or something like, it was like, man, I had a re- I ended with a really good college career and it could have been so much better. So that's, also gave me mo- or like confidence and motivation going into to my professional career. Cause I was like, man, I still have a lot of room to grow, but I'm pretty good. so it wasn't like I was, I felt I was capped in any way. Like, Oh man, I don't know how much better I'm going to get. So yeah, it, it was a, it was a couple things. I mean, I think you always have to have the thought of it there, even if you're not good enough at the time, like, right. I mean, I averaged, I averaged 76.9 as a freshman played in, all tournaments, but two, you know, like nobody in their right mind should even breathe the word professional at that point. Right. You know, yeah, right. But it, it, you have to have it there, you know, you have to have that wakes you up in the morning, whether it's, you know, I do want to make it to the PGA tour or I want to win a national championship or a state title if you're in high school or whatever, like you always have to have that stuff that gets you up in the morning and makes you work hard.
0: Yeah. And your story speaks to kind of both on the one if you are not quite as good as you wish you were, think you could be, mm-hmm. or definitely not as good as you expect to be in for three, four years, you can get there. Yep. Just keep putting in the work, but it's also pulls on the other side of having some self-awareness and saying, I'm, I, I know what it would take to be on a mini tour, uh, corn fairy tour, PGA tour I'm not there so knowing having no kind of um what's delusion to, yes. to you know you can be optimistic but not delusional and say I know that it's going to be hard I'm not I don't I don't deserve anything as soon as I turn pro that doesn't earn yeah. me anything right so you're kind of speaking of both
1: right so two things that I'll bring to that point is one like when I finished my amateur career, you know, I was, I was riding high. Like I, I was the, you know, I was a division two player. I got picked for the Palmer cup. You know, I, I played well finishing up my senior year. I got invited to all the big amateur events that I wasn't able to play in before, but I didn't go and play in them because I ended up turning professional. So, but like I had all the invites, like it was cool knowing I could have gone and played in the biggest amateur events in the world go to the Palmer cup playing against the best, you know, girls and guys in the entire world, the U S versus the world. It was awesome. They're treating us like Kings and Queens. It was insane. And then I remember my dad saying to me, he's like, yeah, you better enjoy it this week. Cause you're going to be at the bottom of the totem pole next week. Like, thanks for just really ruining that for me. Like, damn, thanks, dad. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, you know, for most people, unless you're like a top, 15 player in the world it's a reset i mean you you graduate or whatever you turn pro and yeah i mean he, yes you, you're sharing the same playing field with people that you know know who don't have a chance and you're like you know sometimes it it kind of it kind of jades some people you know they they're like hey you know i was a top 20 player in the world or whatever and now i'm you know i'm playing with these guys you know what what's up with that so you know, it is, it's weird, you know, it's definitely weird to, to, to kind of get set back, you know, that'd be like, uh, Um. again, you know, I kind of, I kind of hate to bring it the same sport, but that'd be like in the NBA, um, you're the, uh, the 15th pick in the draft. So, you know, you're really good. You're getting millions of dollars thrown at you. And they say, you know, Hey, you know, Hey, Alex Scott, you know, we're taking you to Detroit Pistons is the 15th, league. you know, you definitely have the skill to, to be on our, on our, on our roster, our 15 man roster, but you have to play in the G league for three years. What <laughs> three years? Like I can't go play at the biggest level right away. And so it's, uh, it's definitely different. Yeah. Um, it's it, a great point. But hey, yeah, you know, no other sports like that. Like mm-hmm. you get drafted in the in the NFL, right? Where it's 53 man roster. And like, hey, you gotta go play two years. And well, I guess they don't have another league, so that doesn't count. But uh, but you would have to go play like some minor league before to move up or whatever, you know. So it's uh, golf's just a different sport, you know, it's it's about it's about playing at the right time. And th- and, that, and this is my second point. So we were talking about how you have to find that middle ground of between delusional and, you know, well, confidence, like you got to have the thought that you can make it, but you can't, you can't think you're so good right away that, that it's just going to happen for you. You know, one of the, one of the most annoying lines to me is like, Oh, it's only a week to change your life. Like it's only four rounds. Yes. That is true on the surface. Like, A very surface level answer is yes, it's, it's there. Like you can go play four good rounds. You can change your life. Like I can go Monday, qualify into a corn PJ tour event. If I go and win, it changes my life, but that doesn't happen. If you sit around and do nothing, (laughs) you are, you are putting in multiple, multiple hours a day, days in a row upon weeks, upon months to make those four days happen. Like there are guys who I know who kind of just think, you know, it's, Oh, it's nice. They clearly like saying they're professional golfers, but then they practice like three or four days a week. And it's like, dude, you're never going to get that four day hot stretch to ever change your life. That it doesn't happen that way. Like you put so many hours upon hours to hopefully get that chance and you might not get that chance for a long time. I mean, getting through Monday qualifiers or getting through Q school like that is hard. So the it, it's annoying when people say that, like, you know, oh, it's you know, it's four days to change your life. Yes, that's true. But the guys who do it are not random people, like people who get through Monday qualifiers and play well. Will Zalatoris, there you go. That's the obvious one that jumps off the page right now. Like he is currently second in the Masters, and two years ago, he didn't have status anywhere. You know, he was in the exact same position basically that I am right now. And, um, but nobody ever sits around and goes, "Oh wow, so surprising what Will Zalatoris is doing." Like he was an amazing amateur player, you know played at Wake Forest, played on Walker Cup team, like, you know, he's uber talented, like, it's not, you know, it's always surprising when someone does it, because it's, it's hard to, you know, kind of fathom somebody going from a, like, a no status player to playing in the Masters in two years, you know, that doesn't happen, but it definitely won't happen to the people who don't put in the hours, like, this, you know, this guy was already very talented and then works really, really hard to make the opportunity happen. Like, yes, he changed his life in four days, whatever. Like I think he Monday qualified and took like fourth in his first corn fairy event, like great. But that didn't just happen. You know that he wasn't just sitting around on the couch one day and was like, okay, you know, I'll sign up for this Monday qualifier and then shows up and gets that and then takes fourth. Like it just, it doesn't work. So yeah and
0: yep. you 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 take those 3 or 4 days or the the 4 days to make it happen and and the you can take the 3 or 4 hours that the kind of people that think they deserve it and right. you rewind that all the way back to high school junior golf you can you can shift that you can start that process back then and the best players did start that process back then it's not right. like Okay, maybe once I get to college, I'll start that process. Or once I finally turn pro and I'm not—I don't have all these things pulling me different directions—I'll start that process. You start that process ten years before, yeah, it really is going to happen, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and it's that's another thing. Like a lot of people try to make the argument that they're like, oh well, once I'm out of college, you know, I, I won't have homework anymore. and I won't have other responsibilities, so you know, I'll be able to practice more and get better. Dude, I. I had plenty of time in college to practice. Like some, you know, I would say what I've learned at times is is less is more. I mean, I I've coming home, like this is one of the changes I wanted to make is like I function best when I'm a very planned out routine person. And so when I was in college, it was already there for me. Like we had a college schedule that I didn't have to plan, you know, my coach and everything did that. So I uh, I already knew the terms we were playing, when we were playing them. I had classes during the day, so, you know, I had every hour planned out as far as, okay, I got, you know, I got classes from 8 to 10 a.m., and, but then, um, you know, I could be at the course from 10.30 until 2.30, so then, you know, I had every hour planned. It was like, all right, hour putting, hour full swing, hour chipping, and then, you know, play some games against anybody else who's there or whatever. And then I got to go to class again or whatever, you know, I had every single hour planned out and what I've recently run into, or I wouldn't even say recently, just kind of since I've been a pro now that I do have, you know, time is truly in my hands. Like I can do whatever I want all day. You know, I, I can, I can practice from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. I can wake up and do absolutely nothing. I have, you know, it is in my power, but what I found myself doing is I feel it's like, okay, well, as long as I'm just at the course, right? Like I'm going to be getting stuff done. Definitely not true. I mean, I, yes, I've spent more hours at the course than I ever have, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's all been quality. I mean, I I, I kind of just go there with really no plan. You know, I show up like, oh, I haven't hit it that well, so I guess I'm going to work on my swing. You know, and then I'm hitting balls for, you know, you for me, I would kind of lose track of time. Like sometimes it'd be an hour, sometimes it'd be two and a half hours. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't keeping myself to a routine. You know, sometimes I'd sit there and I would hit so many balls and I'm like, well, now, you know, I want to work out later. So maybe I just won't really work on the other stuff that much today, and then I'll go work out. You know, I wasn't holding myself accountable to doing things that I need to do. So, and it showed. It showed in my game. I, yes, currently right now, I'm the most talented or most skilled golfer I've ever been, but I haven't really shown it at all times. You know, I, uh, I would say recently. I mean, I. So the very recent, you know, I, I won the swing thought event in Charleston uh, was supposed to be three rounds. It was two rounds. You know, I win that, that was great. Like I was in full control of the game. Everything was going well. Then I went to the, uh, the Puerto Rico pre-qualifier and I shot three over and granted it's a hard course. It was a little windy, but I was kind of off. And I was like, wow, that, well that sucks. Then I drive 10 and a half hours, the the Louisiana Corn Fairy Monday qualifier and I shoot eight under and get through I was like oh okay like we're back and then I played the event and I hit it terribly <laughs> I hit it awful so you know looking you know looking at it right then and there it's like oh I just you know I hit it bad like I gotta you know I gotta work on my swing or whatever sure that's true but I would say that it the inconsistencies have been happening to me more simply because I haven't been doing what makes me good. You know, I, when I was in college, I, I found what made me good. You know, I was, I was a very planned out person worked on the stuff. Like, you know, I could show up to the range and let's say I only had an hour to hit balls. If I hit it bad for an hour, sure. That would suck. But I only did it for an hour. And I was like, okay, like, I felt like I was working on what I need to work on. And now, you know, now I got to go, I got to go to class or I got to go work on this or whatever. And so it, it's been, it's been a weird adjustment for me because yes, technically, I mean, I do have more time than ever, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be doing it all on golf all the time. You know, that's just kind of an easy way to run yourself into the ground. I mean, there's, uh, so it, it's a, it's such a learning concept. Like it's so weird as soon as you think you know it, you don't. Like there, it's tough. I mean, it's it, Roy McElroy, for example. I mean, Roy McElroy is one of the best players in the world, right? Like you've ever nobody would ever look at Roy McElroy and go like, man, he he needs to change this. Right. Like he does everything right. You know, he works hard, he practices hard, he works out like crazy, he studies the game, he, you know, he's a, he he's got the good picture for the game, he speaks well, all this stuff. And then, you know, you watch him on the course and honestly, I mean, you can kind of see the the gears grinding, you know, you almost just wish you could tell him like, Hey, like go watch. You play rounds of golf in 2011 when you were a kid and like, you're going out there lashing at stuff, swinging, you know, blowing fields away. And so he had that interview kind of, I don't know, it's probably a month ago now where they asked him, you know, what, what his honest opinion of like what's going on. He's like, well, you know, I kind of got caught up like in the Bryson distance thing. And it's like, what? Like Mm. you're a number one player in the world. You're a number one talent. You were a number one player in the world. Like why would you ever look at somebody else's game and think you got to change something? So it's crazy. I mean, and he's one of the best players in the world. So if you, if, if I think like that, it won't happen to me, you are so wrong. I mean, there there's always going to be stuff that tests you and challenges you in golf. So You have to be so attentive to to what works for you, what's getting you better at, you know, a good rate or fastest rate. You know, it's it's just it's crazy. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's weird. Like that's why I kind of I came. I meant I intended to come home at the beginning of May, but instead I came home in April because. I knew that there were some changes I needed to make. I need to, you know, I want to see my swing coach, like get, get my swing back in order, but I got to get back into a routine. What works well for me, what, you know, whether that's, you know, less time at the course, more broken down into hours and then, you know, having some free time for myself, allowing my mind to just relax, get away from golf, you know, everybody works differently. Like, Mm. I know, you know i know some people who can sit on the range and has to hit balls for three four hours until their hands bleed sure you know that doesn't work for me but it, it might work for somebody else and so it's yeah it, it's very weird how how the game works um you know sometimes you think you're doing the right things and you're not and uh you just got to be able to sit back and look at yourself objectively and see where you're at and
0: uh make the make, make the necessary changes hmm. That's super well said. I like the almost like two and a half hours because you're hitting the ball bad. You you said, I've got to keep hitting until I figured it out. Right. Used to, you would you would say you would trust your process, the yeah. overused phrase by a million times <laughs> to to say, even if I'm hitting it bad on the range, just the fact that I was working on the right things even though it was a shorter amount of time, I know I'm going to get there and I'm not going to frustrate myself. I'm not going to ingrain worse habits, blah, blah, blah. Less is more. And so you've learned how to schedule yourself better. Um, You've learned how to kind of – you've learned how to know what makes you better. I mean, is there anything else you've learned maybe about – maybe more about – I know, I know this is the mental golf show and we didn't like directly say, what do you think about the mental game? But so many concepts are, but I mean, it's like, I guess since you've been a pro, has it felt like more, more physical improvements or more mental improvements have needed to be made? What do you think? Mm.
1: I would probably say it's it's more mental. I mean, there there are things that I definitely need to do better physically for sure. Like, you know, I got to be more consistent in some areas. you know, I'm trying to work on what which I think everybody is kind of at this point, but, you know, I'm always trying to, you know, kind of get a little bit of gains here, you know, hit it a little bit further, hit it a little bit higher, you know, stuff like that. but no, it, it's definitely more mental. I mean, so what I've, what I've noticed recently for me as a pro is, you know, I've been a little bit negative lately and that's tough. I mean, you, nobody's perfect. There are going to be times where you might get down on yourself and everything. And sometimes it drives some people. Like sometimes if you get a little bit down, you're like, all right, oh, I got it. I got to get, you know. I got to get better. You know, you, I've been sucking lately or whatever. Like you might talk bad about yourself for a little bit, which might motivate you. But the thing is, is you are what you say. Uh, the, if you say, Oh, I suck or, you know, this is bad or whatever. Like, yeah, it, it's going to happen. Like it, you're, you are going to talk yourself into it. And so the, <laughs> the power of the mind is incredible because this, you know, I don't even want to say this as a golf thing, because I'll I'll say this is a life thing. Because the best example that I can give that has nothing to do with physicality is when someone is sick. So, and by sick I mean like I mean like terminally sick. So I think everybody knows two sides of the story. Is one, I I know people who, are, I mean I've heard of stories and know I know people who when they have been diagnosed with like a terminal illness they almost die instantaneously like it's over like they their mind withers away at themselves they they know they know or think their life is coming to an end and since their mind gives up their body gives up it's a constant loop here mind to your body mind to your body now then there are other people who you hear the stories like i almost don't want to say often but it kind of does is when someone is given a terminally sick illness or diagnosis one sometimes like some people not only live way longer than what they are projected to like sometimes they beat it i mean they when they were told like oh you have a 10 percent chance to beat this a lot of guys end up beating it like they in that moment they it's you know it's a fight or flight thing like their mind goes like okay i'm gonna beat this like i'm gonna do whatever i can to beat this like they literally will themselves to live long which is insane i mean and that has nothing i mean yes they might do some physical changes like okay i gotta eat better whatever i gotta work out i gotta do the rehab the medic the chemo for the medication sure but it is mostly up here i mean i like it is incredible to think about that how powerful the mind is so when in now, when you change it back to something like golf, yeah, uh, like there are, there are so many more people who are, who are physically gifted than others who are not as good as others because of their mind, because they, they hold themselves back. Ne- you know, they're either really negative or they just have a poor mental outlook on, on the game. While there are some guys who are of average physicality who might not hit it the furthest or even put it the furthest, but they're so good mentally that they grind it out, you know, they're positive, whatever it may be to be better than the other guy. And it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I think the mental game is, is something that can be learned. Like it's a, uh, it's tough. And so like, I would say like a self-diagnosis of myself, I mean, lately what's been happening is if i have a good start to a tournament i'm usually good the rest of the way mentally like even if, even if physically like oh okay maybe i don't play as well in the second round as i did in the first round i'm probably still mentally in the same area like okay like i got a chance or okay I, you know i'm playing well trending whatever but if i have a bad start if i don't play well in the first round or if I, you know i get a couple bad breaks or whatever may be I, I will fall like my, I will be negative. You know, if I, if I hit it in, you know, if I get another bad bounce, it'd be like, Oh, that's just my week. You know, that's just what's going on. Or, uh, you know, I, you know, I can't hit the shot when I need to, you know, stuff like that. And then, you you know, you're, you are speaking it into existence, you know, like time you have like an important shot to hit, guess what? You're probably not going to hit that because you've already been telling yourself like, Oh, can't do this can't do that you know so it's it's it it is incredible how how strong the mind is I mean it is it's something that I I think it's something that will never be truly found out I mean even if even if someone is able to find out like oh this is the perfect golf swing this is exactly what you need or this is the perfect putting stroke if everybody was doing it you know the mental side will is still the main difference I mean it it's the one that unlocks all the doors for people. So mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, the, like I said, the power of the mind is pretty unfathomable. I mean, I don't remember who it was. Some famous golfer said it's 90, 10, I think 90% mental, ten percent physical, you know, I don't know. I would probably say that's true. I mean, it's because I, even I can speak for myself who's someone in a, relatively short career in golf i mean i'm only 24 so you know there's people who have been playing this game way longer than i have and to feel both sides of it where you know when you're in that mental zone of just nothing's gonna get in your way you know you're not getting down on yourself like it is i mean you know you feel like you can do anything you feel like you can accomplish anything in golf so it's it's pretty incredible yeah
0: yeah That's as as good as I've heard it put. That was very well said. Um, So with that being said, are you like, is it just more of you noticing things in your own mind or are are there things that you actually do to work on it? I mean, with a listener coming to this podcast, probably saying, how can I get my mental game better? I know I'm too negative, blah, blah, blah. I mean, is there something that you're maybe doing a little more intentionally to say, I am going to get better at this because I know it's so important.
1: I would say now. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, you know, everybody always talks about the hours you have to put in on, on um, the physical side of the game. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't be putting the same on your mental side. I mean, it's, I, I, I've recently, I actually haven't gotten it yet, but like I ordered a book to read that has to do with some, you know, and I, now this is where I think two sides of it come is I don't necessarily entirely believe in a lot of sports psych. It's it's there. I mean, it, I, I believe in it, but I don't think it's like the word of God necessarily. Um, I do think that you get, the mental side is something else that you also have to kind of find what works for you you know whether that is you know you got to read a ton of books and find you know some mantra or whatever that works for you go ahead like sure sometimes like sometimes it's just a simple switch i mean there's some people that simply like you know okay once i start to feel that i think uh i think max homa does this um which, which i thought was great he he recently said i don't know if it's before every shot or if it's like when he starts to feel negative I, I don't necessarily remember but essentially he said during the round he tries to say i think it's like two or three positive things before like every shot sounds kind of cheesy you're like Man, i don't want to do that it sounds like kind of work but you know that works for him like if he's step up and say like let's say he just hit a you know a terrible drive or whatever three putted the last hole and now he's fuming right like what you know he's got driver in his next hand just wants to rip it and you know if he's able to step back and like take a couple deep breaths and be like all right you know like all right, i've been playing well till that hole you know no need to let it derail like whatever like i'm hitting you know i'm hitting it good today like let's keep that going or whatever anything to be able to get yourself in the right frame of mind i mean i everybody you know the best at it was Tiger, obviously. Even though Tiger wasn't someone who was outwardly positive, that's what I mean. Like you don't have to be this guy who's walking around on the clouds and you know saying praise to everything. You know, there's always a, a different way to get yourself there because um, you know, like I said, like Tiger is Tiger's the best at it. He was able to figure out how to get into the zone more than anybody
0: who's ever the game i would say i'm gonna shut this window real
1: quick okay sure <laughs> but uh
0: it's, it's looking like a beautiful sunrise up there should be better yeah there you go yeah yeah yeah. nice but um well yeah so
1: there is a difference uh but yeah mm. i like talking to people honestly i mean that's that's one of the biggest things for me i talk to other players i talk to my swing coach i talk to my dad even though my dad bugs me about it but like they, I think like for me, talking things out is better. And usually it's not even really talking to other people. It's just me talking because the thing is what's really tough is that I feel that I know a lot about the mental game without even really kind of studying it a lot or reading it a lot. I mean, I just feel that conceptually and knowledge wise, I feel I know a lot about the mental side which is almost more bothersome because then when I go out and play, I don't even listen to what I preach. You know, So it's, it's really tough. I, one of the, one of the lines that I've been trying to repeat myself lately is, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to a friend the way I talk to myself, you know, it's it's like giving relationship advice or something like yeah. you go when you go to a friend you know you're gonna be you're gonna be boosting your man up right like dude you're the man like you know all this stuff you're gonna be telling them like how great it is like you know you just gotta do this and this you're telling them all the good things or whatever and then like when it comes to you like you don't even do the stuff that you're saying so it's it's annoying but at least i know that it's there like i know that i know the knowledge and i know that it's just a simple. I just have to work on it myself. Like, okay, like I need to be, I got to be more conscious of this. I need to be less negative here or whatever. I know it's there. So, but yeah, it's tough. That's the line that I try to, that I try to tell myself. Like I I wouldn't talk to a friend the way I talk to myself. And so, you know, I don't, I don't ever go to a friend and be like, Oh man, you suck. Or like, you know, whatever Like, you, you you are, you know, whatever. So
0: beating beating them up you, but you do it to
1: yourself. Exactly, like uh, you know, if you're if I'm trying to pump my friend up, I got to be trying to do that same thing to myself. And so yeah, and I and I think talking to other players about it is great. I mean, I've talked to a lot of a lot of other golfers, you know, just like just trying to get it's it's like trying to write a paper, like just trying to get words out, you know, like put things down. Like I feel like the more you talk about it, the more realizations you'll come to. For yourself but then if you hear somebody else talking about it you know they might say something that clicks with you and you go oh man like you know I kind of like that or that makes sense like you know I might try to use that later so yeah it's uh it's tough man it's tough like I said you know I, I can say all this right now but you know I could go play this round of golf here in the next in the next whatever I uh, see off at like nine feet with just with some members at, at uh, the country club I've been a member at my whole life. And, you know, I might hit my first tee shot and just be like, oh, my God. You know, like, it's tough. It's tough. You know, I, I think you got to find, you know, you got to find what works for you, whether and, and, and like I said, you know, the, the mind and the body is a, is a constant loop. You know, yes, you're going to be in a much better or it's going to be much easier to be in a better frame of mind if your physical game is where it's at. If it's good, you know, if you're hitting it good, you're rolling it good, you know, you feel like all assets of your game are going, it's going to be really easy to be positive. Mm-hmm. Like hit a bad shot. You're like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like I'll, I'm just in the right rough. I'll I'll probably still have a good look at birdie. It's it's amazing how I can go through rounds that I've had recently where that can happen. Like I, I, I would hit a bad shot and be like, oh, pff, I'll probably still have a look at birdie, right? Like perfect outlook. And then there are times where like, I might just miss hit a shot that still goes in the fairway, which is better than the shot in the rough. And I'll be like, Oh God, what is going on with my swing? You know, like stuff like that. It's like, man, are you serious? Like the, I had a better result, but I was more pissed than I was with a worse result. But you know, it it, is just, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's tough to be able to get yourself to think like that all the time. Like I said, you know, not everybody's a a positive, you know, glowing of positivity where, you know, you can hit a bad shot and be like, Oh, it doesn't matter. Like (laughs) clearly that's tough, but it's, it's insane Well, you got to be able to find out how to walk that line of being, you know, serious and in the moment, but not allowing yourself to be so down on yourself when something bad happens, whether it's a hole or a shot or even two or three holes in a row of bad golf. I mean, you got to be able to stay patient in the mind and know that the good stuff's coming and it's tough. You know, it's, oh. it's you got to practice what you preach. It can be difficult, but that's how you play your best golf. I mean, your best golf doesn't necessarily come from when you're hitting it. Right. You know, it, yeah, it can, but I've, had, I've had plenty of good rounds where that have pulled me through events or tournaments where I didn't have a hundred percent of my stuff, but I was so so well in the mind that I was able
0: to, to get through it. So Hmm. that's, again, super well said. And I hope (laughs) this is some version of that, talking it out. And yeah, that kind of version of therapy to say, I'm just, I'm just kind of releasing these, all this clogged up stuff from my brain. Um, So I'm interested, and maybe the listeners want to know what book you got coming that you're going to read.
1: The one I have coming is called Relentless by Tim Grover. Um, so a buddy of mine, Dawson Armstrong, actually recommended it to me. I think he might have either just finished it or is like about to or something. But um, so, yeah, I, I mean, short story. I I was driving back up to Michigan from Jacksonville Beach and I was swinging through Nashville. And I actually sat down and had dinner with Dawson, who Dawson is a, you know, really well accomplished player uh, played at Lipscomb universities uh, full on the corn Ferry tour. Now he's like 37th in the points, you know, has a good, really good shot at getting his PJ tour card. And, you know, he's a guy that I like talking to. He's only a year older than me. So it's not like, you know, he's got that much more experience or he's way more wise than me or whatever, but you know, he's a nice player that I like talking to because he's really good and I feel that every time we're having conversation, we're, we're constantly trying to figure out how to get better, whether it is physically or mentally and stuff. So that's what I told him. You know, I, we sat down in this nice barbecue joint and I just told him, he's like, why are you going home? And I was like, dude, I'm just out of whack. Like it was only, today's the 10th and this was only five days ago. <laughs> so, you know, so I just told him like, dude, like, you know, my, I'm not swinging it good, but you know, I haven't been right up here, you know, I've been negative, you know, I, I just wanted to go home and kind of get a reset and, you know, get myself ready on May or June or whatever, whenever the next thing I'm doing is. So we were talking about that, talking about the mental side a little bit. And he told me about that book that he's reading, uh, kind of long story short, it's basically a guy who breaks down. Um, there's three groups of people mentally. There are, uh, I hope I get this correct, but there are coolers. Coolers are guys who, who don't necessarily want the moment, you know, that it's like, it's like in a, the best, again, best way I can explain basketball is, you know, shots, or shot clocks wind down end of the game. You're down one. You're probably someone who doesn't really want the ball. Like you're someone who works well in the system. Like even if you're, you can be a great player you know, but you're someone who's a system guy, like, you know, you're, you're going to do what's kind of been told to you or whatever, you know, maybe your guy doesn't really want the last shot unless the play is really written for you. Then there are closers. Closers are guys who they, when, when it gets to the moment, then they want the ball. Like, okay. Like, you know, when the time is right, you know, give me the ball. Like, you know, I'll, I'll make the winning shot. And then there are cleaners. Cleaners are the guys who are, you know, they want the ball from second one. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, so 72 hole golf tournament, it's not until the back nine on Sunday. It's hole one. Like I'm here to win this shit essentially. Mm -hmm. Like they're those. So those are the guys who just, who want it all the time. Like get, give it to me give me all the smoke whatever it is like whether it's the end of the game the beginning of the game whatever adversity you know when you, when those guys come to mind you know Tom Brady Michael Jordan uh Lionel Messi uh Kobe Roger Federer Kobe you know all those you know Tiger those guys those guys my Tiger yeah Tiger obviously you know those are the guys that, those guys are all business baby like they are you know they don't they don't have to be given the moment to, to be a closer. They're, they are that way, that way, whenever. And so, uh, that's kind of the gist of the book. Apparently, you know, it doesn't really tell you like how, you know, how to be one of those or whatever. I think it just kind of breaks down, helps you break down what you are. Like, I think it basically lays it out for you as to, you know, ask you questions kind of, and if, as long as you're objectively answering them, you can figure out, what kind of person you are and and then you can work on it i mean that's you know that's something that i think would be great you know it's it's tough i mean there as much as one of people want to think you know there's not very many tiger woods or tom brady's in the world you know this that's just a fact you know those guys i don't want to know i don't i don't know if they're born different or if they work themselves that to be that way i'm sure it's a combination of both but um you know, you always got to try to learn from the greats. So yeah, that's, that's the book that it's relentless by Tim Grover. Um, hopefully give that a read and, uh, you know, who knows, maybe it'll help me might not, but regardless, you know, knowledge is power. So
0: that's definitely true. So I won't keep you from your tea time. Uh, go hit them. Oh, I got time. Uh, Don't worry. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate you doing this. Um, I, uh, I just, I, I guess I want, I want people to know. Like it's it's hard for some people to relate to this player that's, you know, played in Corn Fairy Tour events and uh and has seen this. You said you saw that linear improvement for a long mm-hmm. time and has gotten really good. Um, but maybe like maybe get shed some light, shed some advice to people who are not seeing that linear improvement and and what they can do in the difficulty because usually golf is not linear improvement right no and, no it's right. usually not. it's almost never so mm-hmm. what what could you say to that person so in that in that time if
1: you're not seeing improvement or progression it's tough but like the the main thing is you have to be honest with yourself i mean it, it is tough. Like it's hard to do. And that's what I did. I, I so I moved to Florida in mid January and then, you know, now I'm back home in early April and I told myself that I wasn't seeing the progression I wanted to see. And, you know, it's kind of infuriating because, you know, I know that physically and, and skill wise, you know, I'm as good as I could be, but I had to sit back and be like, all right, like what is going on you know so that's that's was my self diagnosis you know i was putting time in the wrong areas i i wasn't holding myself to a schedule i was being negative you know like i there was just all this stuff and then you know you kind of sit there and you're like hashing it out with yourself and you're like gosh why did i do that you know why why am i doing this and stuff so that's one of the first things you have to do you have to be able to sit down and look at what you're doing as to why you're not getting better you know some because the answer is usually pretty simple it's there are very few people out there who put in hard quality and a lot of time who don't see improvements (laughs) Like, like yeah it might not come right away like, yes, golf is a weird game in the sense where like, you know, it might take you two days, it might take you two weeks, it might take you two months, even if you are in the right right frame of mind, like maybe that change you have to make in your golf swing is that hard to make for you. Like it's, you know, sometimes that stuff can be difficult for sure, but usually it's more so like, okay, uh, like if you're an amateur golfer or something, you know, you don't play you know, let's uh, well, you know, I only practice two or three days a week, you know, then it can be tough to be consistent. Or like I was saying, you know, well, man, I'm putting in hours, but you know, it's not quality hours. Like I'm not, you know, I worked all day on my swing today, but I didn't work at all on my putting and chipping or my wedge game. You know, I didn't work on that stuff. And so I would say the main thing is you got to be able to sit back, be honest with yourself, self-diagnose what's going on. And then, and then you got to, you know, that the main thing is there, there's always change involved. Like no matter no matter what's going on in golf, you are always trying to improve. Like I would feel as in other sports, improvement comes. Like, um, Kyrie Irving, for example. Kyrie Irving is, ah, I mean, you know, one of the most skilled basketball players on the planet, right? For him to get better, I don't know. You know, he's got five inches. <laughs> or, right. or, or he has to, like, put on a lot of muscle, right? But, again, you know, that stuff is just simply the willpower in doing it. Like, he, there isn't really anything that I would say he has to get a ton better at as a physical person. Like, his three-point shot's great. His ball handling's great. You know, he – He's quick. He's fast. You know, he's working on some of those things, but in golf, you're like, you're never a hundred percent at everything. Like there's always like Tiger Woods, who was number one player in the world for weeks upon weeks, every time, like he never went to practice and said, all right, I just need to keep my game where it's at. Mm. That's not a thing in golf. Like for him, it was okay. Okay. I uh I won the last turn by 10, but my proximity to the hole was only 20 feet, and I want that to be 15 feet, you know. So like you're always trying to get better in golf. So there's always something to be worked on. And so yeah, as long as you're able to you gotta sit back, self-diagnose, understand why things are happening you know so that's what i said for me you know i wasn't seeing consist- consistency in my play in my tournament play that's because i wasn't being consistent in my practice so it's there there's always something that is the root of something else like yes there's always a there's always a surface area thing like yeah i haven't been hitting it good for a while sure why you know why you not been hitting it good is it something in your swing or is it something Are you, is your course management bad? Are you, are you not trying to play the holes correctly? You know, there's always something to be diagnosed. Um, So yeah. And and golf is usually not a linear thing. I do agree. You know, it's, it just doesn't work like that. I don't know why, but it just doesn't work like that. So uh, for me, like I said, I was fortunate to have that, but even now, you know, even as a pro, it's now that, you know, when I was growing up in high school, I was every year I was getting like a shot or two shots better. Now I'm trying to figure out how to be 0.1 strokes. Like, you know, so it's, there's obviously a huge difference there. Um, But yeah, so sit back, be honest with yourself, because usually the answer jumps off the page, whether you whether you're going to like the answer or not. Mm -hmm. if If you sit around and lie to yourself about it, if you say like, Oh, I'm, I'm working hard or, you know, I'm, I'm doing the right things. You're not going to get better. That's Mm -hmm. the fact, you know, if as soon as I know, what is it? As soon as you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're the dumbest or whatever it is. Like, if you think you know the most, you don't, that's, that's kind of the thing, you know, there's always something to be learned. There's always something to be working on or changing whatever, as long as you can accept that and know that, you know, and it might not be easy. You know, that's, that's the other thing that a lot of people don't want to deal with is a lot of times it's not easy. Uh, you know, whether you got to make that change in your swing or, or, or you do have to put in more hours. I mean, willpower is hard. I mean, it's, you know, there are a lot of times where, you know, I do not want to be out on the range or on the putting green grinding, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, there are days I do, it's not like I hate it all the time, but you know, there are days where it's like, man, you know, I've been playing bad. This is going, you know, the weather's not great. You know, I would, I would, I want to be doing anything else with this, but you got to put in the work if you want to get better. So it's just like anything else. I mean, I know a lot of people don't want to go to their nine to five jobs every day, but you got to make money. So um, sacrifice, I guess.
0: Yeah. Alex, you're spitting some truth today, man. This is, nice. <laughs> this is great. Um, so this will probably go out. I'm, um, I'm thinking Monday do you know, and it's the Masters this weekend, so Monday after the Masters. So yeah, for we're sure. We're sitting I, I want you to make a little prediction. We'll look back at this and see. Um, we're sitting through 36 holes. I think we got Ooh. Justin Rose, Jordan Spieth, Cam Smith, um Wills those kind of guys at the top. Yeah. Who do you think finishes it off?
1: Let me see here. Let, let me take a look at the leaderboard in sure.
0: mm, It's who do you who, who do you have so- to
1: start? I actually picked Paul Casey who made the number so 10 shots back uh, I probably don't see it happening if I was a right now 36 holes ago if I was a betting man I would probably say Justin Thomas I mean Justin Thomas is right in that perfect area well not perfect area perfect would be you know five shots ahead but he's he's three back. He just came off a good second round. He's, you know, he's trending. Well, some of the guys at the top, you know, Rosen have a great second round. It's Zell Taurus's first masters, you know, like everybody says experience is important, you know, all that sort of stuff. Brian Harmon's played really well. He's kind of the guy I want to win. I'd like to see the, the little guy win. Um, it's a tough leaderboard though, but I would probably say Justin Thomas. He's, he's right at that at kind of that good mark where you know people knows he's there you know i think he's starting to kind of have a a little bit of a presence now where kind of that tiger thing like as long as he's kind of on the map like near you know he's gonna have a threat to win so and i think the more important thing is that he knows that too he knows that when he's there you know he's got a chance so i would probably say justin thomas is my guy right now but but it's a strong leaderboard. I mean, I think anybody at probably two under or better probably has a chance to win because they're saying that the the afternoon today could pick up some wind. and could be tough. So if there's a guy who's even at even or one under and goes out and posts a low one, like a five or six under round, then they'll be right in the thick of things probably. So it's a tough call. I mean, I would say Justin Thomas is probably the guy
0: though. Okay. I'm, I'm going to, I love that pick. There's uh, that would surprise no one. Uh, I heard someone say yesterday, there's no surprise that he's where he is, Justin Thomas, but I'm going to, I'm going to go on record with my guy that I picked to start Jordan speed. I think he's going to finish it off. I mean, he's trending. He's, he knows the course, like you said, experience matters. Um, Coming together for
1: him for sure.
0: It's coming together. And I, I just like him. I like watching him. Um, I'm one of those guys that just likes him.
1: He's a relatable guy. I mean, he, you know, he talks to his golf ball. He, he does kind of physically get mad. You know, you could see it like he, it's nice for a guy. He wears the emotion on his sleeve. You know, it, he's a nice marketable guy because of that. Like it is tough, you know, golf's in this weird thing where, you know, a lot of people preach like you don't want to get too high or too low. You want to stay in that middle, you know, Dustin Johnson, perfect example. You can never tell when he's mad or happy but it's tough to like watch as a spectator. Cause you know, golf was, well, especially now, like my generation, our generation stuff, like golf was brought up on tiger. Who's like these huge fist pumps and you know, crowds are going nuts and everything. Like that's, that's what I think golf kind of needs more of. Like that's what people want to see is the, the emotion of people, like not necessarily, you know, like throwing clubs or anything like that, but, Big, you know, big momentum swings like that. Where, you know, if Tiger made a birdie or an eagle, like if you were five holes away, you knew it happened because you knew the roar was coming from him. So um and and just and, and yeah, Jordan Speed and Justin Thomas are a little bit more that way. I mean, they and I think that's why people like them so much. Like, not just because they're young and they're good players, but they are very honest i mean they they show what's going on you know if, they, if they're if they not playing good you're probably gonna know and if they're playing good you're you're gonna see it so um yeah i mean i would like to see jordan win it would be i think i think golf is better when jordan is playing good golf you know i think it you know the last two years have been kind of weird i mean fortunately, we had tiger who was playing so you know you have that but it golf's going to be in an interesting spot when, when tiger is kind of done, done, you know, when, when he's maybe not playing anymore, except for like the masters or whatever, it'll be golf will be in an interesting spot. Cause I mean, he's been the needle for since 96. So, you know, 25 years of one guy, basically, you know, nobody has ever been able to, to match what he's done. I mean, Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy, Yeah, Dustin Johnson, Phil, Phil Mickelson. There you go. Phil Mickelson is the second guy to tiger, but even those guys, man, like they're, they're just not in the realm of what tiger did. So, um, golf is going to be, I don't want to say in need, it's not really the right word, but you know, they're going to be looking for that next guy. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people have kind of pegged Deshambo because, you know, he's got all this media on him and stuff of what he's done. And, you know, he's hitting the ball a long ways and all that, you know, I, I have no idea who the answer is I, and I don't know who it will be, but, um, but at the end of the day, like I said, golf's just in a better spot when Jordan's when Jordan's playing well and he's in contention. Uh, he's a guy that, that draws eyes. So. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see him win. I don't know if he's the guy I'd pick uh, the driver worries me a little bit at times with him. Um, but who knows? I mean, I'll tell you this, if he wins, I won't be surprised. You know, I'm not gonna be like, wow, I can't believe he pulled it off. Uh it, it would be cool to see him win. So mm.
0: Yeah. All right. A little sports talk radio here at the end. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for your time, Alex. This is this is awesome. This is gonna help a lot of people. I I really do appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it.
0: All right, and what was next for you? Tournament wise? Um,
1: I gotta I'm probably going to do three Monday qualifiers in a row on the corn ferry tour. It's like, uh, Alabama or Huntsville, Alabama, Nashville, Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, that's at least what I have planned right now. I would say for me, April and may, this is the reason why I kind of came home is to kind of keep April and may light. I didn't really want to do a lot of competition. I wanted to work on my game, my physical game, my mental game. You know, I wanted to get myself in the right spot kind of, um, Monday qualifiers are sometimes a good test. I mean, you know, if you don't have it that day, then you know, kind of whatever. But if you do have it that day and you turn it into a tournament, then you know, go ahead and take advantage. So uh yeah, but really kind of until mid-June comes around. That's that's when it's all gas, no breaks. I mean, it's a lot of tournament play, a lot of travel. So um, but yeah, I would say just some Monday qualifiers kind of coming up in late April, early May. So
0: all right, we'll go get it. We'll all be following along. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right, thank you, Alex. We'll see you later. Yeah, man. Have a going. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have to say anything else. I mean, that was such good information. Um, and yeah, it's uh, this will be going out uh, as I sit here. It's Saturday, still Saturday from uh, during the Masters. So our predictions, uh, you know, listening to this, whether or not we were right, were we right? Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. Do we look like... Are we making ourselves look stupid and trying to predict these two players and they completely blew it? What happened? Let me know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so if you enjoyed this, I would love it if you shared it with somebody. Uh, If you got one piece, one nugget from this that you thought was awesome, head over to the Facebook group, the Mental Golf Show Facebook group, and let me know what you learned. Um, Was it about how to improve your mental game? Was it about your perspective on the game, was it about time management, let me know. Go over to the Facebook group. The link is in the show notes, so you'll be able to find it there. Or search Facebook for The Mental Golf Show. Um, Let me know, let let the community know uh, what you learned and uh, something that you want to work on for your golf game, especially now that pretty much the whole country, I'm hoping by now that most of the country is... um, is one both playing golf due to the pandemic and two the weather is getting better for most people um yeah so what are you going to work on what do you need to work on what do you wish you could work on let us all know in the facebook group all right thank you for listening and i will catch you guys in the next one